Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 160. Where would you begin if you were introducing someone to how you understand God? You know, how would you answer if someone said to you, well, what exactly is a Christian? What, what, what do Christians believe? How would you answer that? I think what you would try to do is, is that chances are that you try to get to the heart of the matter pretty quickly, right? You try and pare it down to what is absolutely essential for you, which is exactly what Jesus does when he begins his teaching. Remember last week we looked at his baptism and it sort of began the whole thing. Uh, the very first lessons that Jesus gave were in Matthew chapter 4, by the way. The first words that came out of his mouth, his first teaching, I'm going to give you the line, because it's kind of an important line, and it's a line that is often misunderstood. But this is Jesus' first teaching ever, ever in Matthew 4. Jesus begins his ministry with, from that time on, that's his baptism, from his baptism on, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, it's a simple enough line, but it's, it's, it can easily be misunderstood because as soon as we hear that word repent, as soon as we hear repent, we think, oh, okay, that means stop doing bad things. And that's actually not what it means at all. So the, the teaching is, the, the very first lessons that he gives us, okay, first thing you need to know is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, when he uses that word repent, it's really got nothing to do with stop doing bad things. <laughs> it's uh, quite a bit bigger than that. I mean, his, his teaching is, the word repent in the original language means to turn around or to change direction. So it's like, okay. So his very first teaching is change direction or turn around. Yeah, yeah, pretty much so. And, and why would I want to change direction? Well, the second part of the line is, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, again, there's another phrase that's often misunderstood because when we hear the word kingdom of heaven, we think of, oh, okay, is this about heaven as in a place people go when they die? No, Jesus would say. This isn't about clouds or angels or harps or pearly gates or however else you imagine heaven would be like. The kingdom of heaven for Jesus, it's not a place at all, actually. It's not a physical location anywhere. It's, it's more like the realm or the area where God's will is done, right here, right now, on the earth, right? So just that simple line it's so so easy to misunderstand what the first teaching is when he when he says that first line I'll go back and read it again 
first words that came out of his mouth. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So if we wanted to use more contemporary language, we might want to say something like, um, when Jesus began his teaching, uh, he began with, you need to be willing to change, change direction, be open to something new so that you'll see what God is doing in the world. Right here, right now, today, at your work, within your families, in this world, in your town, in your community. You have to be willing to change before you can see that. Now, back in Jesus' day, like today, God's will is absolutely not always done on earth. Okay, we pray this a lot in in what we call the Lord's Prayer. You know, we say, um, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning it's certainly not done on earth all the time. Turn on the news at night. Is God's will being done? Chances are it's horrible news, it's bad news. Uh, No, that is not God's will. There's a lot of cruelty in the world, as it was in Jesus' day. Uh, In Jesus' day, when he walked on the earth, there was a lot of cruelty. There was a lot of things that were certainly not God's will. I think if we were to simplify things, we might want to say if it's destructive and if it's damaging, it is not of God. It's not from God. It's not God's will, so to speak. If it's strengthening, if it's helpful, if it's restorative, yeah, then we're moving in the realms of what Jesus would call the kingdom of God or the reign of God. So, yeah, it's it's almost like you have to kind of learn the, the language of the scripture before it opens up for you. You know, we we do experience these things. It's just that we don't talk about them with the same language that the scripture, uh, how the scripture describes things. You know, years and years ago, Martin Luther spoke about the two kingdoms. Now, you might not know about the theology of the two kingdoms, but you've experienced it. Because basically, Luther said, we live in a world where... He would say, there's the kingdom of God, there's God's way of doing things, and then there's the kingdom of this world, uh, which is not necessarily God's way of doing things. And we're often caught in between these two worlds. And we'll feel that at certain times. You go into work, you'll see certain things happen, you'll see certain behaviors, or perhaps within the family, or in your community. They're destructive, they're cruel, They're not kind. It's like, yeah, two kingdoms, two ways of living, two ways of doing things. And if it's not leading toward what Jesus would call life, it's not necessarily God at all. Lots of things happen in this world that isn't God's will. But... I digress. Getting back to this heart of Jesus' first teaching. 
the very first message he gave, and remember, he only had three years of teaching, so it's always interesting to look at the very first teaching he gave. And I like to look at the very last teaching too, because I always think that gives us a little insight into what he believed was very important for us to know. But at the front end of the ministry, it's like, are you open to change the way you see things? Are you open to change the way you're living in this world? If you truly want to see what God is doing in this world, in your life, in your family, then oftentimes it needs an entirely different change of mind and heart. Now, the first students, the first disciples, we call them in the scripture, they're basically students. The first students called were... Simon and Andrew, fishermen. And when Jesus approached them, they found his invitation very, very appealing. So when Jesus came up to Simon and Andrew and asked them to come and follow and become his apprentice, really, in a way, they were curious and desirous of this. Not everyone is interested, right? We're all going to know people in our lives that apparently have no interest in God. Some people are intrigued and curious and drawn. Others, for whatever reason, um, no, not so much. And this tends to be the pattern. But for in the scripture in Matthew 4, what we read about are the what we call the calling of the very first students. And so the first teaching Jesus gives, the first sermon, the first word of instruction is, Simon, Peter, are you open to change? Are you open to doing things differently? Seeing things differently? Are you open to, let's use the biblical language, repentance? Because if you're open that's the main beginning point. Uh, that's the main thing. It's not so much about, okay, come follow me, and now you really work hard and try and change your life. It doesn't work that way. It's more it starts with just a whole openness and curiosity. Come and follow me. I'm going to show you a new way of living in this world. Now, obviously, his way isn't necessarily easy, right? Some of the things that he requires are incredibly difficult, like being a forgiving person or like um, not letting anger lead you or paying attention to anxiety and not have it take the lead place in your life or worrying about the future. All these things are difficult to do, right? And he doesn't start off with any of the harder things in our lives. He starts off with just simply, are you open to some changes? Are you open to some changes? A willingness to come. He's not saying, Simon, Peter, Get your act together, get your life together, then come and follow me, it's more. No, let's just start with this. You open to some changes? 
And uh, we'll do this together. We'll do this together. Simon, Andrew, be open. Follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. There's the line. And the text tells us that they left their nets and they followed him. And that's how it all began for them. They were going to be with him for three years. And after that, they actually turn out to be leaders um, after he leaves them. But at the front end of the story, they're just fishermen going about their regular business. They are intrigued by Jesus. They obviously find his teaching attractive. And yeah, they are interested in following this rabbi. Now, by the way, in the old days, when you followed a rabbi, it wasn't necessarily talking about a physical following. When, when the, the scripture talks about following, it's about modeling your life after this teacher. It's like, come and, when Jesus says, follow me, it's like, come and, come and model your life after me. Watch me how I live. See me. Get to know me. Get to know me. And the result will be Simon and Andrew. You won't, you won't just be fishing for a fish anymore. Yeah, no. You'll fish for people, meaning you're going you're gonna to draw people up with your nets, not just to fish, but you'll draw people, you'll, you'll capture people alive because there's something going to be about your life that's so attractive that it's going to connect people with the living God, with the life force itself. Now, we're getting way ahead of ourselves because this is just the front end of the story and they're nowhere near at that, that point, at this point in their lives. But, I mean, that's where he's going to take them. He's going to, he's going to invite them to come and follow and model their life after him and it's going to change them. And it's going to change them a lot. It's going to change them so much that they're going to end up, um, well, doing a lot of the work that Jesus did. But that's later. That's later. At, at the front end, it's just simply an invitation. Uh, Simon, Andrew, are you open to change and if you are, come and follow me and model your life after me. Now, let me apply this a little bit here. Most of the people who followed Jesus did not leave their homes and their jobs and their regular lives. You know, when you hear this text or you're in church or you're in a study or you read it, get the impression that, you know, Jesus comes along, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, he sees some fishermen, they drop everything and they go follow him. Well, they actually, it did work out that way with a couple of these fishermen. But generally speaking, down throughout the centuries and even in Jesus' day, people didn't leave their jobs and their regular lives and drop everything and physically wander around the countryside. Now, yes, certainly, the closest students, what we call the disciples, the 12, were trained to be future leaders. But most people, like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they carried on their everyday lives, as we do, right? So when we talk about this, 
this phrase is very common in Scripture, in the New Testament, following Christ. When we talk about following Christ, it's not going somewhere, you know. It's following, it's not going somewhere to a particular place. It's following to become a particular kind of person, right? So this call that Jesus says, come follow me, is, it's not come follow me and I'll, you know, I'm off to Africa, so you come too. Uh, does that happen? Yeah, it does. But for the majority of the time, people don't leave their geographical location. It's more about come follow me and learn how to be the kind of person that I have created you to be in the situation that you are in right at this moment in time. Right? So if you're at home with two little kids, it's like, okay, follow me in this. I'm going to teach you how to be with these little kids. Or let's say you are off in the tech company somewhere. Okay, fine, you're in the tech company. Follow me. I will help you and show you how to be my person, my follower in the environment that you work in. Now, sometimes that can be very challenging. It depends on the environment that you're working in, right? You might be in a place that it's very, very difficult because you're surrounded by people with completely different values. That's, yeah, that causes a lot of conflict. That's another subject. But this whole idea of following, you know, I've heard people say, well, I'd go if I knew where to go. I'd follow if I knew where I needed to go. I'd gladly go to a new job if God opened up a door for me. Or, yeah, well, yes. Does God open doors? Yeah, I believe God does. But following is really more about becoming the kind of person that God is calling you to be regardless of where you work or your circumstances or the situation that you are in, right? So when we're talking about what does it really mean to be a Christian anyway? Well, we're saying, well, it's about following Christ. It's about learning how to live the way he would live in the situations that we find ourselves in, whether we're working at home, whether we're retired, whether we're parents, whether we're in college, whether we're in high school, it doesn't really matter. It's about how would God have me live at this point in my life? Now, the caveat is always this. Then there needs to be an openness and a willingness to change. Uh, and the reason I say that is, is because we're all not living the way that God would have us live. We all have places in our lives that trip us up, commonly referred to as baggage, right? We all have this. Certainly, some people are more aware of their baggage than others. Uh, but we have it, right? Things like, I've always had a quick temper. Yeah, well, it's baggage. 
I came from an unloving family. That's why I am the way, yeah, okay, that's baggage. I've always been a worrier. Mm-hmm, yeah, well, that's hard, but you know what, it's still baggage. Or I've always been really sensitive. Well, yeah, that can be a mixed blessing too. It can be baggage. I'm controlling. Yeah, that can be baggage. Perfectionist, yes, baggage. Whatever, doesn't matter. We all have our weaknesses. And um, when Jesus is speaking about following and becoming more like him, it is certainly about being open to changes in these areas. The, any area, by the way, that trips us up, any area that trips us up, chances are uh, that area is negatively affecting those around us. So the areas that trip me up in my life, they don't just hurt me. They hurt those around me. And unfortunately, there is no getting away from this. There's just no getting away from it. It's kind of alarming. It's a little discouraging, but it is the reality. If we're truly serious about following Christ, then we are becoming more loving, more forgiving, more gracious people. Why? Because that's what Jesus is like, and we're following him. Remember, it's not about going anywhere. We're becoming like him, right? It's called lots of things in church circles. It could be called, uh, you want some of the big words? Sanctification, which is holiness. Uh, it could be called um, Christ-like, becoming Christ-like. Um, another way of saying it is, I think, I kind of like the idea of it being, it's really bringing out the very best that God created you to be in the first place, you know? Um, it's who you are uh, in your essence uh, before all the cares of this world came, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, I mean, I think when we're talking about following Jesus, we are becoming, and I say becoming because obviously we're a work in, in, in progress, right? We are becoming more like him. Now, obviously, you know, it, this leads to some questions. It's like, well, how come some followers are really obnoxious and judgmental? How come... Uncle Harry, who's gone to church his whole life and reads the Bible and quotes the Bible, is so horrible to be around. And the answer is, because Uncle Harry is a baby and he never grew up. Truth be told, there are many, many people inside the church and outside the church that never truly learned to follow. Yeah, they can quote Bible verses. Yeah, they might even be able to stand up and do a decent sermon or, a, or teach something or tell everyone else how to live. But that's not following. That's not at the heart 
of following. Following is always, always about inner transformation. It is so important uh, for Jesus that this is the way he begins his entire ministry. It's not like, hey, Simon, uh, you know, Andrew, come and follow me and I'll teach you a few scriptures and uh, then you can go to church. And uh, No, no, no. It's, this is a whole new way of living in the world. It's like, I'm giving you an entirely different way. And, you know, ultimately, if we're really, truly open, it touches every area of our lives, Jesus, in his way. Because you start to say to yourself, well, in my marriage, for example, am I living, am I treating this person the way that Jesus would have me treat them? Is this grace? Is this kind? Is this loving? Well, if it's not, it's like Jesus would say, well, that needs attention. And you can just go through every single area of your life, you know, whether it's in your workplace or your home life or your hobbies or your money or your spending or your eating or how you spend your time or how you think about yourself, or how you think about other people, there's not an area that it can't affect nor touch. There's not an area. In other words, God has something to say about everything. There's no split between, you know, well, this is my spiritual life over here, and then this is my regular life over here. Jesus comes along and says, well, first of all, we're bringing these two together. <laughs> that's the first thing we're doing there's no one way to live in this world and one way to live in another world no I want you to learn how to follow me and do as I would do in every area now that seems like a bit overwhelming when you sort of lay it out that way we're always just taking one step at a time we're usually just beginning with one area that we think to ourselves, yeah, I think I could have a little tweak in that area. I think it would be helpful for me to think about this particular situation in a different way. I mean, always start with something, just one thing, and, and small. It doesn't have to be, you know, massively big. It's always good to practice on smaller things. And then we just open ourselves up in one area Say, so God, you know, there's, there's, let me give you an example. There's somebody, uh, you know who it is. It's very difficult for me to be gracious to this person. They are so annoying to me in so, so many ways. Would you please help me when I meet Uncle Harry on Tuesday, whenever it is, you know. Uh, just help me in this one area one step at a time. And you'll find, and I'm sure you've already found this, that God starts to, has a way of guiding us and helping us and changing our minds when we're flexible, giving us a new way of seeing things, little epiphanies. You know, this is the season of epiphany in the church calendar, which just means 
little insights, little insights. So a part of what it means to follow Jesus is to be open to the new insights. And that becomes the prayer. And that becomes the heart cry. Whatever it is we are dealing with today, could be something small, could be something really big, could be something life-changing. It's always the same. God, show me your way. Show me your way. Give me your insight that I might follow you. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.